I'm floatless. Uh, speaking of floating. You were talking about the Mandalorian. Is that will, what you were transitioning back to, or is floating a it, third thing? Floating's a third thing. All right, let's go uh, floating. I, Speaking of let's floating, go floating, let's go there. Do you know why Swedish warships have barcodes? I did not know that Swedish warships had barcodes. They do. Can you guess why? I can't guess why. Uh, because uh, they're there to Scandinavian. <laughs> I, I loved that so 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 much my friend nick told it to me uh, over text recently and i said i have to tell this to sean That's he good. is gonna love it i mean this is his is style your friend joke. nick my friend nick oh my god because i feel like so often you say my friend nick and i'm like i I know Nick. I like Nick. I've worked with Nick. What's Nick's last name? Tacconi. He was on our live show. Oh, my goodness. He was. I, it's such a blur. It's such a blur this yeah. whole year. That's right. Yes, that, that is a Nick Tacconi classic joke. And his brother's in the Navy, so I, I'm only guessing that he got it from his brother. Yeah. I mean, a joke that good. You need... You need hands-on experience with the Navy. <laughs> I mean, how do you just tell a joke that good? But you got to join the Navy. That's just how it is. To tell good j dad jokes, you have to be a dad or a mom. Do moms have jokes? Is it strictly dad jokes, or do moms also get, like, a dollar sense of humor? I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. I uh, feel like Jesse's has gotten sharper. Ooh. Over the past – and maybe it's just because we're spending even more time together in the pandemic here, but – like she's had some clever witty stuff as a mom yeah Th does that psychologically mess you up as you've noticed your humor slipping and hers sharpening i don't know maybe hers is staying the same it just seems sharper because mine's getting duller this is Ooh. fascinating we should do it's some a, science we said yeah of course we should do some science i mean we that's what our degrees are in mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> did i ever tell you about my frog experiments Frog experiments? No. What did you do with frogs? <laughs> well, let me describe these in full for the fourth time. Uh, Mandalorian. Let's let's finish up the preamble. Yeah, I, I have been uh, just. Uh, I've been on edge today, just yelling at people about their love of this show. In seventeen episodes, we've had zero character progression. There's no through line. Like, nothing has happened. And the one thing that they had going for it, they decided, let's end this. And that's how this season of The Mandalorian ended. And I don't want to give away too many spoilers except for all of the spoilers. Because, Sean, they bring back Luke Skywalker and they digitize him. So Mark Hamill is digitally made to look like he did in Return of the Jedi. And it looks so bad. Sean, Oof. it is so bad. Oof. I mean, he, he looks like a porcelain doll. Let me, let me get a uh, frame of reference here. How did you feel about... Um, Princess Leia? No, 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 the, the Irishman. Oh, you know... Do you look at that and do you say, like, that's pretty good? Or do you look at that and say, that's, this is where that is, also bad? That was... It was all right. It was weird. It was definitely weird. It has like an uncanny valley feel to it. But 
it worked for what it was. I wasn't like, oh, this tracking is off or it doesn't look right. In my mind, it didn't look it didn't look right. If I didn't know who Robert De Niro was, I would have been fine with it. But the whole contacts and everything, that gotcha. whole movie had me thrown off. But okay. I thought the, the de-aging worked for what it was. Okay. This looks like de-aging if it was done in 2006. Oh, okay. It's See, Disney. I, I haven't seen any of it. All I know about the show is I have seen some behind the scenes of that stage Masterful. where instead of a green screen, it's the Unreal Engine yeah. running LED panels, which is which is just awesome. I'd it's, like that. I'd like that in my office. It's upsetting to see that they have that technology and they have years of pre-production for the show and they have no story. That's where the issue lies. They have everything they need to make a great show, and they just can't. Is there anything stopping you from making your own your own canon for Mandalorian? Like, make your own season where maybe if you wrote it, I could animate it in some crude way or produce <laughs> it in some crude way. But the story that you're yearning for, uh-huh. Uh-huh. if you write it. You will animate it? Yeah, I'm just wondering, do you think that there is room for a story here in this world, for them to, to cram in another oh, yeah. main character? Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, okay. I, we, I could smoke it, because I'll just forget about everything Star Wars and just say, okay, it is in a galaxy far, far away. And, you know, that's what I would do. Okay. Instead of trying to do all this nostalgic callbacks, what I've noticed with Mandalorian, the people who love it, are the people who grew up with Star Wars, as in they were alive when Star Wars came out. Like, it is people from the 70s that love this show. Okay. So this is their Stranger Things. You know what I'm saying? Like, we grew up with the 80s, so that's why we love Stranger Things. They grew up in the 70s, so Mandalorian to them, they can't see its faults. Just like me personally, I can't see a lot of Stranger Things faults. And it has them. Don't get me wrong. But no, it doesn't. Otherwise, I would have noticed them. <laughs> exactly. That's yes. Thank you, Sean. You're a smart man. But that's my my Mandalorian tangent. Okay. Ugh. It's good. It's fine. It's great. It is fantastic. I'm excited. I just got approval on Ooh. my last big project. Um, oh, of the I've, year. I've, not only of the year, but of the foreseeable future, and I'm excited to clear my slate because my time has disappeared as of late. Yeah, um, with Luca going down to one nap, and with the holidays here, and with you know shopping and trying to have you know video chats with people and keep up, I just only have so many minutes in a day, and I'm done spending them in front of this computer for a little while. Yeah, Although as I, I say that. that, as I say that, I do want to spend the time in front of this computer just doing different things. Okay. Do you have any ideas? Thing. I've got a bunch of ideas for things I want to make, man. Okay. You um, want to produce? What do you want to produce? Uh, I mean, right now I just have a short list of YouTube videos I want to make. Um, yeah. But I want to make a video about um, s- like stretching, some light exercises, and a little bit of meditation mm-hmm. before, mm. specifically for before filming. Yeah, And I feel oh. like I never take the time to do that. And anytime I do in my life, like before I sit down and edit, I edit so much better. I feel so much better. Like if you just take a minute, but always like I, I wake up, I go to the shoot, I unpack, I go, I start, I film, and then I pack up and it's just go, go, go. And I feel like if mm-hmm. I could, 
if I could unload, if I could load in everything and then take five to 10 minutes and say, I'm going to clear my head. I'm going to stretch. If I'm going to be holding a camera all day, I want to mm-hmm. make sure I move my neck around. I want to make sure that I'm visualizing what I want the day to feel like. I want to make sure I'm in the right head space that I'm moving, that I'm feeling, that I'm breathing. Mm. And so mm. I was thinking such a thing could help other uh, creators as well. And so I could put something like that on the old YouTube channel. So that's I, stuff like that, fun stuff. I can speak as part of the audience here because, Sean, I do that before my shoots. Before any shoot, I will. I'll do about 20 minutes of stretching. And then I say I have 10 to 15 minutes to meditate, breathe, get good energy in me. Those shoots, they don't go any better, but I'm calmer. You know, it's which I, I think I makes them go slightly easier. better. Do, wait, do, do you do all essence. this like before you leave your house? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm a big practitioner of uh, meditation. I, I think it's the greatest thing in the world. Same with stretching. I do yoga every day. You have to, especially I, I, as you get older. I don't do it as much as I should, but I, I, for there's been periods in my life where I have meditated a whole lot, and and I I'm happier during those periods. Yeah. Um, but what I'm wondering is, is there a sweet spot? for production meditation mm-hmm. as far as like like I'm imagining it after the load in take you know calm before the storm yeah. create that calm but sometimes you don't always have that opportunity so would it be a better thing to like drive there and then outside or before you load in go through a routine or is it best to do it like if you if you have to do it at your house before you leave and I think, like, for me, the closer I can meditate to filming, the better I'm going to be. Because as mm. I'm tackling all the problems of load in and, you know, where are we going to run power and this isn't working and these people aren't going to show up and this is late and we got to be – like, I, I feel like I hear all that and I start to get flustered. Yeah. And if I could hear all that, get everything set up, solve all the problems, and then say, okay, before we push record, crew's going to take a break. Oh. I, I, I feel like that would be better for everyone's mental health. You're, you're not wrong. I, I think this is a, a great idea, and I stand behind it, and I really think you should push forward on this series because that's the kind of stuff I dig. Yeah, and I, and I think know, I need to write it into my terms. It's all about pleasing me. And that's, well, yeah. a, that's all I'm trying to do, man. I know. I've, I've noticed. I mean, this is why life is great. It's just Sean always trying to please, and I like that. I am Just so you know, I'm feeling pleased. Good. You see this smile? Well, hey, how about here before we get into the book, let's do a 10-minute silent <laughs> mindful breathing exercise here on the podcast. Okay. Well, you know, I actually like guided meditations. Okay. Are you do you do silent meditation? I like uh I like being guided. I'm silent while I'm guided. Oh, okay. But I find that if I can't be guided, like if I don't have, you know, a, a video or an app or something to walk me through it, that I do prefer to just stay silent, and I go through some gratitude. Um, I I, th- I, th- I think about some things that I'm I'm grateful for. Um, I try to picture how I want to feel. Yeah, yeah. I my like my that. big thing. I, I loved this, but when I was coaching frisbee, um, I I did a thing with with my teams, and at first they hated it, and they rolled their eyes at me, and they did not want to have anything to do with it. But that was. I would have the huddle before before we played our first game or before we even started to warm up. I'd bring everybody in. And instead of like, hey, are we ready to go? <laughs> I'd calm everybody down. I'd say, hey, close your eyes. Now just imagine. Mm. 
closing your fingers around the disc that you're catching. Imagine you're jumping in the end zone. You're about to catch a disc for a point and just feel that disc enter your palm and you curl your fingers around it. Now picture yourself landing, taking two steps in the wet grass and then releasing, twisting your body and throwing that disc. And, and that's one part of it. But the other part was now imagine how good it feels to catch mm. that point. Imagine how good it feels to win. Imagine how good it feels when your teammates are excited for you. And I found that by getting myself to that headspace, I would go play better. Now, most of the time I was coaching, I wasn't a, a player as well. I was just coaching. Yeah. Um, but with the teams that I captained and where I did play, I always play so much better if I can already get in that space like where you've got momentum. Yeah. Like you've started winning. If you can cheat and get there first in your head, you're going to play better all day. So I closed my eyes while you were doing that talk through, and mm -hmm. I, I, I saw the pictures. But even though I heard your words... My pictures were different in my mind. I got in this headspace. I was a Frisbee player. But when that Frisbee came to me and you said, imagine your fingers grasping and closing it, for some reason in my warped mind, I caught it with my mouth. And it was just this close-up of my teeth just gnawing down on the plastic. And then when you're like, and then you like have that victory dance moment, I'm just shaking it with my head and it's in my mouth. And I'm just going, for some Ugh. reason, the Frisbee's bleeding. <laughs> Yeah, it goes limp, too, almost like a rabbit. Yeah. Like, if you ever see your dog, which you probably have, because you seem to it's have a, a dog that would catch a, a rabbit. Oh, it's a possum? Yeah. Yeah. So that's exactly what that Frisbee was. It turned into this limp animal, almost like a, a Salvador Dali painting. I feel uh, like my yeah. dog doing the same guided meditation pictured <laughs> the same thing. I well, am a dog. Well, let's do it. Let's do a quick. I'll, I'll do a quick guided meditation before we get into the chapter. Right uh, on. Right on. Um, and this is for you, David, as mm -hmm. well as any of the listeners. I encourage you to uh, please, if you're driving, <laughs> don't close your eyes and do this. But if you can stay alert and aware of your surroundings, you can still sort of picture these please things. Be hardy please be hearty themed. Please be hearty themed. If you're sitting at home, uh, please close your eyes, relax, disappear for a moment to prepare yourself to enjoy this podcast with us. So you're peaceful, you're happy. You can feel the air fill your lungs. Take a big breath in through your nose and out through your mouth at whatever pace is comfortable for you. Take another breath and try to fill your lungs a little bit more full than you did the first time. Hold it for just a second and then let it out your mouth again. And continue this breathing on your own pace and I want you to picture this, this audio in your ears. And I want, to picture, I want you to picture like a really, really funny joke from two podcast hosts. And when you hear it, it's just so funny. It's just so clever. And you didn't expect it. You didn't expect it. So you, you breathe out of your nose a little faster instead of a full laugh. It's just that, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Too much, David. Bring it back. Bring it back. That you're happy, you're, you're feeling it, you're feeling the peace of it. And as, as the podcast hosts go on a tangent about something, you're open to it. You're open, you're interested. You're saying, hey, I wonder what can I learn from this? I wonder what, what is going to be at the end of this long, long meandering story that's obviously going to be a joke, but they're telling it in the first person for some reason. But you know that it's going to be worth it and it's going to pay off 
and when you finally get that sweet, sweet punchline, you'll be truly happy. And during your laughter, you'll click over to hardyandsonspodcast.com and click store. And at the store, just feel your mouse hover the cursor over any one of the multiple t-shirts available for $19.99. $19.99. And go ahead and add that to your cart. And as you click buy and type in your credit card information, you'll know that you're supporting two creative creators creating art that's just for you. And as a listener of this podcast, you know there's not many of you for good reason, but that means that these episodes really are made just for you. Now, when you're ready, you can open your eyes <laughs> and we'll proceed to chapter 12. David, are you ready? I'm ready, Sean. That, that, just so you know, it was very hard for me not to laugh. And I did my best so that the people could just get into a full relaxation without cackling from the witch man in the background. David, I want you to know this whole episode is an exercise in, in mindfulness, and it's okay to laugh. <laughs> Laughing is a natural please, expression of our emotions. Please put some sort of meta, uh, some sort of music, some royalty-free Kevin <laughs> McCloud. Just some wind, wind so, pipes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of dolphins chirping in the background. <laughs> I don't know if other people like that noise. I do. I like imagining that I surf with the dolphins. But I'll see what I can do. Yeah, that was beautiful, Sean. By far the greatest bit on this on this show to me. I mean, if it's well that done. if it's that good and if it got us prepared to have a good time, I don't see why we wouldn't do that every episode. Every episode, yeah. I think this is a new thing, no doubt about it. Huh. When do you think we played the theme song? Do you think that already happened? It seems to be happening later and oh, later man. each week. I feel like at it one plays... of these points, it's going to happen after the break. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, when you said, when do we play the theme song, is when I imagine this, the theme finally starting. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad call. It's not a bad call. Not at all. Uh, take uh, us in. Chapter 12, um, before we get here, when we last left them, the boys were uh, walking through Shantytown in their disguises, and they find a trash heap where they find some fizzle bottles, some fizzle soda mm. pop bottles. Yes. And that's the cliffhanger. So that's what we need to know, bringing us into chapter, chapter 12, 12, The Desolate, the Desolate Island. Island. And this this is a humdinger of a this chapter. This is a great chapter. I mean, this this is like through and through, Sean. This has been my favorite chapter of this entire book. Oh, hands down, hands down, hands down. The, yeah, uh, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but the identity of the unknown person. Yes, yes. shocked me. Never expected that. <laughs> I didn't Never either. expected that. I didn't either. This is my favorite. So. So, Immediately. But not only, I mean, just as preamble here, not only is it a great chapter as far as the action that happens, yeah. uh, it's got a good pace to it. Oh, but yeah. But it also 
starts with just some horrible detective work and some <laughs> overly generous conclusions. Yes, I 100% agree. This Unable is to my learn anything most more. picked apart. The theme is back. Yes, you're darn tootin'. So Joe picked up another bottle from the rubbish heap. It's exactly like the one we pieced together last night, he declared. These prove, italicized, these prove the bank robbers are linked up with Shantytown. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> we talked about this last time. Yeah, way to go off the rails, man. The it's same with the author. The author is like, no, this is going to be an italic. Like, this is proved. This is known. Joe knows it. I know it. The audience knows it. I mean, fizzle pop sodas, only bank robbers drink from them. You know, I always wondered about House MD. Did you watch House? I love talking about House. So Let's talk I, about the formula. Let's do it. Full disclosure, <laughs> I don't think I finished the series. I think I had a few episodes left in, like, what, season seven or something like that? Um, yeah, it, I'm with you. It ran for quite a while. But yeah. I watched the first, you know, four, five, six seasons. Loved it. Yeah, great that was show. One, that was one of my first, like, DVD uh, yeah. show purchases in college. Was... And so, like, I mean, this is before Netflix, so we just would watch yeah. House over and over. I had House Season 2, Bernie Mac Season 1, in living, not in living, uh, The Waynes Brothers, and uh, one season of 24. And that was my DVDs. And I was like, I'm the richest man alive. I have so many DVDs. Yeah, it was, it was solid stuff. But, but in-house... I was always amazed at the writing because they would try to create these uh, diseases or, or these uh, ailments yeah. in general that a certain specific set of symptoms – that's a tongue twister – a certain specific set of symptoms would, would lead to this answer. And they had to put this puzzle together and like that's what would explain these – what would explain this conclusion – was the confluence of all these symptoms and circumstances. Yeah. And what I was always amazed with is, like, they didn't seem to leave a lot of room, at least to me, a layperson, to say, like, well, wait, couldn't that have been because of this? Like, you forgot to think, like, oh, well, also, if it was a broken arm, that could have produced that. Mm -hmm. Like, they had to sort of rule out a lot of things, and they had to know that to have like a command of the situation to say that the only answer to this medical dilemma is X. Yeah. And I was impressed by that. And as I'm thinking about a mystery book is sort of the same thing. I mean, house is a mystery. It's yeah, what is exactly. the, it's it's a the medical mystery. mystery. Of, yeah. It's the mystery of the medical situation. Yeah. Each, each week. But with these books, there has to be like, as, as the writer puts these together, he is assembling clues that work backwards from an end to say, okay, well, if, if with the house on the cliff, like Felix Snapman is this ringleader who, you know, knew someone who lived in this house. And then you work backwards to say, okay, well, that's why they're going to have some stuff here. That's why they're going to have these ships at the, the waterfront. And that's why Pretzel Pete will know about this and the <laughs> towels and all this stuff. So you have to know all that to bring you to that, that fulfilling conclusion. Yeah. And this chapter is an example of when they just – he didn't think of everything. And, like, it seems like he's leaning hard on, like, oh, and if we put one of these soda bottles in a trash heap in Shantytown, then we know 
that the boat which had a soda bottle is linked to the shanty town where there's a soda bottle. And it seems that the writer forgot, like, wait, there are going to be millions of these soda bottles all over the country. Yeah. This means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Yeah, I feel like you're going to have to explain that again in about six sentences when we get back to the fizz. What are, the, what are they? Fizzies? Fizzle. Fizzle soda. Yeah. It's just littered over this chapter. And it's one of those things where it's like, just solve the case already and then just get this over with. I can't hear about this darn soda anymore. This, the fact that the, the author is leaning so heavily on this as Whoa. like a crucial backbone to the story. Oh, my God. Do you think the fizzle is a MacGuffin? Do you think it's planted there to have the story fizzle? Ooh. Like he's fizzling the audience. He's making us angry. We're simmering. We're festering. And we just get angrier and angrier. Like, it can't be the soda. And then he gets to it. He's like, it wasn't. That was the MacGuffin. That was the fizzle. I've fizzled you. Wow. Franklin has fizzled. <laughs> well, I'm excited that we're going to try to do two chapters today because maybe we'll get some resolution. I'm, I'm excited. We're, we're past the halfway point, and we've got yes. some momentum. We've definitely uh, got some momentum. I'm excited about this book now. I am too. So uh, where are we, Sean? So, so Frank starts to calm him down. Like It looks that way. It looks like they proved the bank robbers are linked up with Shantytown. But Fizzle Soda may be sold around Bayport. As you said, we don't know for certain that the robbers used the sleuth. Somebody may just have borrowed it for a joyride, which is a weird way of saying they, like, I know it's, I know it's not Grand Theft Auto. It's Grand Theft Marine. Yeah. But what a, what a quick way to write off, like, hey, we don't know if bank robbers stole our boat. Anyone can steal our boat because everyone does steal our boat. It's been yeah. stolen in every book since we've owned the boat multiple times. <laughs> Now, okay, so... Don't forget that we're careless, neglectful boat owners. Yeah, 100%. Well, well, Joe goes into, like, well, the bottles make it likely that the robbers are connected to this place, but let's scout around some more. And this starts a series of the oddest descriptions. I was like, why was that thrown in there? Like, what significance does this have? And maybe it's, like, you know... In all of the chapters, but in this one, it's been the most prevalent to me. It just says, The two boys, hands in pockets, strolled casually among the shacks. Why Why do we need to know about the hands in the pockets? I think they're trying to say that the boys are trying to act nonchalant. Because that, like, they, they said, like, hey, you know, let's, uh, in, the, in the previous chapter, um, yeah, da, da, let's, da, da, da. let's act as casual as possible. Is the hands in pockets a casual action? I think. I mean, maybe they're looking at the other shantytown residents and saying, like, well, look, they've got their hands in their pockets. We should have our hands in our pockets. Well, you but, know how deep their pockets are. I mean, their hands are going all the way to their feet. Yeah, and they're touching their <laughs> flashlights. Yeah, toe and touches, yeah. Pen knives stabbing into their arms. The the strange thing to me, though, is they keep doing these abrupt things. Like, in the last chapter, they wandered among the hunts. Suddenly, Joe darted to a pile in which something <laughs> glinted in the sunlight. That's when they found the, the bottle. Yeah. So you have this boy walking casually. Then he sprints to a pile <laughs> of trash, holds up a bottle, and then puts his hands in his pockets and starts strolling. So to, like, to the guys sitting around the fire you know, a dozen <laughs> yards away... They're like, these boys who are casually walking here and uh, 
they they only seem to be more and more suspicious. Yeah. I, I well, feel this... like they should just yell over like, hey, boys, you don't have to put your hands in your pockets. <laughs> we all know we you're know here. Your we know you're Fenn sons. <laughs> you're know famous. You're, you're world famous. Yeah. Well, this is where I, I just recently came up with a theory that I believe Joe has uh, bipolar disorder. The ups and downs of, yes, like he is on this fizzle soda and then immediately he's like, well, maybe you're right. And then he switches again to, but I still think I'm right. And then he puts the hands in the pockets. He's just casually walking. Now he's sprinting. And then he gets into this. So the boys, hands in pockets, stroll casually among the, sh- the shacks. Although they looked closely at a few squatters hanging around, they saw no one they recognized. Disappointed, the brothers circled back to the trash heap. We're getting nowhere. Now Joe is disheartened. And he was just so happy That's true. about he the was soda. Up there. Yeah, the, he's suffering. There is mental illness that is actually looked upon in the Hardy Boys books in the 50s. That's pretty progressive of them. You know, women actually have lines in this book. We are addressing mental illnesses. Like, I mean, the women's go. lines are largely in service to the relationship, so it does not pass. What is it? The the Bechdel, Bechdel. test? Bechdel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're right. You're not wrong, but uh, you know, it's a start. Yeah, it's it's something. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> the was it the last book? There was not a single, except for like Mrs. Hardy and Aunt Gertrude. There was not a single. Like the girls weren't in it. None of the mm-hmm. Lester and the the guys at the old mill none of the scientists at elkton yeah nobody was female except for mrs hardy yeah maybe a bank teller so this is another odd sequence suddenly frank's body tensed so just imagine this scene in in your head sean to where your brother tells you we're getting nowhere then all of a sudden you look at your brother and he just like you know, it starts convulsing almost. full rigid and falls over. <laughs> yeah, like a plank. Yeah, he's just a piece of wood. But as he turns into this, this, this plank, he says, shh, listen, hear that? Like, so this is already odd. And Joe, all I hear is the ocean. Someone is groaning. <laughs> By the way, all I hear the ocean, all I hear is the ocean. Shows that Joe's practicing mindfulness. He's doing deep breathing. <laughs> He's clearing his head. He's hearing those dolphins. Yeah. <laughs> They're nowhere near the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> They're in the middle of a field. All I hear That's is the that. ocean. Let's say they're in the middle of the highway. Old Lem Billers is just honking like, get out the way. <laughs> Ten car pile up behind yeah. the motorcycles. All I hear is the ocean. Joe, you're bleeding from the ears, buddy. The, the entire opening sequence of Final Destination 2 is happening behind him. <laughs> I never saw the second one. Oh, it's great. It's fantastic. I've definitely said this before on the podcast, but anytime I fly, I always check to make sure, I always check to make sure my uh tray table locks properly. <laughs> yeah. I always I used to when I was on Instagram, I used to always make an Instagram story of me checking and then giving a thumbs up of the uh tray that table lock. That is hysterical. I'll never forget uh this was, I don't remember, maybe like 2012 or so, but Final Destination 5 was coming to theaters, and I really wanted to see it. And I just randomly texted Keith Mees. I was like, let's see what happens. And I was just like, 
hey, do you want to see Final Destination 5 with me? His response was, watch a bunch of dumb teenagers get killed? Duh. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, yes! It was a great experience. I love those movies. So what they hear, someone is groaning, and they find that there's a shack behind them. Yes. Uh, And so they they go inside. They they, uh, Well, actually, first, abruptly, he strode toward it. So, again, more of the, like, hands in pockets, super tense, abrupt (laughs) walking. Yeah. You're frozen. Now you're jolting, you robotic people. And give I mean, us another it, odd it, description of this door. Uh, reaching the handleless door. Okay, so that seems to be an issue, right? Oh, there's this handleless door. Is this going to be hard to get past? Frank gave a tentative push, and it swung open. <laughs> so why make it handleless? Like, what's the purpose? Yeah, Am I, I don't insane? Know. No, you're not insane. That's that's a reasonable question. So we have another odd moment in this same paragraph where I'm like, what is going on? So reaching the handleless door, Frank gave a tentative push and it swung open. Warily, he stepped inside and blinked for a moment in the darkness. What does that mean? What what significance is a man blinking in the darkness? I don't maybe he's hoping for light. <laughs> Like the clap on, he just thinks it works with your eyes too. Oh yeah, clap on, clap off, wink, wink. <laughs> Joe it, just, do you know sometimes when you blink, you can hear your eyelids? Have you ever had that happen? Yeah, I, I imagine that's all Joe hears is this like wet squishy noise. Little, so he has no pop. idea. <laughs> yeah, so he's kind of freaking out, like what is going on? Because he still just hears the ocean, but yeah, now he hears, he hears these like creatures. <laughs> And it's just his brother blinking also, extra loud. How dark could this be? It's a shack. I doubt that the boards that make it are yeah. so sealed from the light in the day here <laughs> that it's just absolute darkness where they can see nothing. Yeah, it's it's insane. This I is get insane. that it's windowless, but still. Yeah. So, Joe, quick. A man laid huddled on a cot, his face in blanket. His face and the blanket he clutched were smeared with dried blood. Ooh, dark. And he moaned and heaved for breath. The man's unconscious. No, he's no, not. No, he's not. He's moaning. He's breathing and moaning <laughs> and moving around. So he's what? The unconsciously conscious man? Like, can, what? Can you, can you moan while you're unconscious? No. I wouldn't think so. No. I mean, you I mean, still you still breathe when you're unconscious. For sure, yeah. But sitting there moaning, you're knocked out, man. You're gone. Yeah. That's just how it works. I mean, I've been knocked unconscious, and I just laid there. People said I just was there for five minutes, didn't move, didn't make a noise. You literally think the person is dead. I'm not moaning. Yeah. <laughs> The book is closed. I closed my book. David, I need to hear about what happened when okay. you were unconscious and a group of people were just watching you. So, okay, this is a true story. This is insanity to me. And I remember yelling at my neighbor about this. Um, when I was younger, I think I was 13, I had this swing set that I used to play on. And it was next to a ladder. So if essentially I would go to the top step of the ladder, maybe 10 feet, 
I would put the swing in between my legs and I would jump off from the ladder out into the air and it would swing me around really fast. And when I got to a pivotal point where I felt like I was ready to jump, I would jump off the, the, uh, the swing. Does that make sense? Yes, I'm with you. Okay. So one day, I'm a little bit bigger. I was doing this since I was a kid. And one day I do it and the rope snaps like right as I'm at the highest peak. So it snaps and I fly, just fly to the side and I smash into the ground. Okay. And when I land, I land with my fist like to my chest and my thumb pointing out and it just smashes my thumb to the side. My fist jams into my chest and I'm out. And I wake up and it's like, maybe two seconds have passed in my head and I wake up and I'm just like, Whoa, what happened? And I stand up and my neighbor who hates me and his name is Rob is outside and just goes, Hey. And I'm like, uh, yeah. He goes, you all right. I was like, yeah. He goes, you were laying on the ground for five minutes. And I said, and you didn't come wake me up? Like, <laughs> I didn't do anything? You didn't say hey as I was laying there? And he just goes, nah. And he went back inside. And at this time, my grandma was watching me. And I walk inside. And I see my grandma. And I was like, I think I was knocked out. And she's like, what happened? And all of a sudden, I look down on my hand. And my thumb is three times the size it should be. Mm. And it starts throbbing. And I just go, ah! It did like I am in so much pain out of nowhere, and I just stick my thumb in a tub of ice, and then in 30 minutes I went to my hockey practice, <laughs> and I think I broke it. I don't know what happened, but uh, I never got it looked at. It's kind of wonky nowadays, but it works. Well, I'm glad you're okay. I'm okay. Yeah. Well, at least I believe I am. <laughs> <laughs> what a jerk. Yeah. What a I'm, jerk. Your neighbor got out a lawn chair and some popcorn and just <laughs> yeah, watched you writhing. He called his kids out. He got his wife out. He's like, look at this dingus. Should we go oh, home? No, 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 no. I want to see how to time this out. Why don't you have a stopwatch? I want to see if he makes six. <laughs> <laughs> how, long do, how long do they say till brain damage kicks in, honey? <laughs> yeah, neighbor Rob. So, yeah, I, think, I think this is a fitting time we should take a break. And okay. then jump back we'll in the chat because high. it's gonna it's gonna just take off from here. Oh yeah, it gets great. And uh, uh, with that, the boys took a break. That's my jam right there. And we're back. And we're back. Dude, this this chapter. Why can't they all be like this? This was the easiest one for me to tear apart. I mean, almost everything written is underlined. So we've got an unconscious guy. Uh, and Frank says, find water. Maybe there's some in the jug on the table. And I imagine that's when this man just clearly looks at the jug and goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> that's my toilet. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next thing is we're in luck, uh, says Joe. Um, and Joe soaked a handkerchief and bathed the injured man's face. And I'm just like, are they waterboarding this guy? Like, wet a cloth, pour water on his face. We're helping. <laughs> he 
He's speaking. He's speaking. No, he's still unconscious. Yeah, they are waterboarding him. I'm surprised they didn't start with the wrist and the ankle massages, but I guess they learned a little bit more science since then. Yeah, now that they've got the lab. Now that they have the, the lab. Now, Sean, as they start wiping this blood off and this dirt, the boys give a, a gasp of surprise. And who do they see? Hank Sutton. What? Bum, bum, bum. Oh, no. Who Not the person this? I expected. Did you Not expect the... Alf? I don't know who I expect. When, when they said it was a, a man, I feel like yeah. they would have recognized from the frame if it was Alf, because Alf's huge. That's very true. That's very true. Or it would have I... been the, uh, like the fat, bald guy. Oh, that's right. Um, from the boat. I was expecting this to be like a new character or somebody who like would would say I like I almost expected Frank Hardy. Oh jeez. Uh Fenton Fenton Hardy. Could yeah, could have been Fenton, could have been uh at first I was thinking maybe Biff or Chet. Oh uh, yeah, that would have been when dark. It first happened. But uh just when they heard the moan, I thought it was going to be Frank or or Biff or for Chet. Yeah. Um, and they would be like bound and gagged somewhere, but <laughs> Yeah, I assumed this was going to be a throwaway character. Somebody would be like, Hank Sutton did this to me. <laughs> but no, it's Hank himself. Yeah. He's you badly hurt, Frank observed. Cuts and bruises on his head and shock. Might be fractures, too. Uh, were you waiting for something? What? Uh, I thought you were going to take this. I love this next line. It's I'll call yours. the police ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> With Hello, a human police paramedic. <laughs> so Joe volunteered to call the police ambulance. We passed the house about a mile down the road. They must have a phone. Hurry, Frank urged. I'll stay here. So Joe sprints for his motorcycle and, you know, Frank searches the hut for clues and in the Hardy Boys fashion, finds nothing. Obviously. Obviously. And soon, an ambulance, with its red lights blinking, no blue, was speeding towards Shantytown. A police car followed. When they passed the house where Joe had telephoned, he zoomed after them. Again, why was that needed? My why thought couldn't was, they just find it? My thought was that he would say, like, hey, follow me. Like, I'll wait for the ambulance and then I'll take you to the shack on the beach where this guy is. Yeah. But, but that – why he shouldn't follow them. No. He, sh he should wait till they arrive and then lead them. Yeah, exactly. They're just yeah. going in circles. They turn around and they start <laughs> following Joe and he's following them. There's a Benny Hill bit da, da, So they, you know, they pull up the shanty town and uh, Frank was there with the injured Sutton. Yeah, by the way, the boys don't ever have to act casual in Shantytown again. After their erratic behavior today, <laughs> and now they're escorting an ambulance with its red lights onto the beach. They Blasting don't have to the dress Benny Hill in their rags. Yeah. <laughs> Can you guys turn that down, actually? That song, we're trying to, we can't hear this, this man trying to explain what's wrong. Boys are just dancing. The ambulance keeps hitting cars because no one's getting out of the way because they don't hear its sirens over the Benny Hill theme song. Everyone's like getting in one car and then into another and out and crossing the road. Yeah, little Frogger action going on. 
And I was picturing the Benny Hill door, uh, the hallway with all the doors. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that's it's also fine. a great Scooby Doo gag. Uh, whatever, you know, things happen, Sean. Uh, so, they, uh, the only real thing here, unless you have other stuff, is that uh, apparently he's uh, the last thing he's saying. He's delirious. He just keeps saying a man's name, and Frank well, looks up. Who's whose name? <laughs> Alf Lundberg. I'm afraid. Frank looked up at them with a frown. So he took his revenge on Sutton, the chief concluded. That's bad. <laughs> I wish I, I wish this had a question it. mark. That's <laughs> bad. bad? <laughs> what, do you, what do you guys think? I need to be vindicated by these children. Please let me know. Let me know what you think. Is this bad or not? There was a, a moment where, is he conscious yet? The doctor asks, and Frank says, no, he's delirious. Well, you have to be conscious to be delirious, Frank. That's just how it works. Yeah, sorry, bud. And I imagine when he says he's delirious, uh, he's just there, Sutton's there, and he's just like, I'm, I'm feeling fine. Like, I'm honestly, <laughs> I'm feeling great right now. I just had a fizzle soda. I feel fine. <laughs> he's delirious. <laughs> There's no such thing as fizzle soda. <laughs> There's no such thing as fizzle soda. <laughs> uh, so Chief Colleague says, you know, they, they get the uh, the injured man. They get Sutton on a stretcher, take him to the ambulance. Uh, Chief Colleague says, we'll have to pick up Alf. He had the perfect motive for assaulting Sutton. Yes. Just the same. I don't believe he did it, Joe declared stoutly. Mm. Sorry, fellas, the chief said uh, regretfully as they reached the road. But regardless of the suspicions against Sutton, I have no choice. You do have a choice, chief, by the way. Yeah, this is your choice. That's called police work. That yeah. It's your job. Not just the choice, but your job. So in classic Hardy Boys mentality, Frank and Joe walk sadly to Pine Grove. They mount their motorcycles and ride home in which they eat lunch quietly puzzling uh, over the case what now joe asks gloomily all we did this morning was to get out in trouble yeah that's what you do you're teenagers you're dumb by the way, that's a really bad sentence. All we did this morning was to get Alf in trouble. Yeah, I know. I didn't read it wrong. No, Just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to, to I know. I thought I read it there. Yeah, I thought I was reading it wrong, reading it out loud, and I was like, oh, no, that is how it's written. That but is a also, terrible sentence. Also, they did save a man's life. No, that doesn't matter, though. They got they Alf say in trouble. Sutton, Sutton would have died, most likely. Yeah, but, but Sutton's a bad guy. They don't like Sutton. That's true. They said not quality only did they of life save a life of someone they don't find worthy, they got their friend who is a known criminal back in jail. So yeah, priorities, boys. Great detectives we are. How about walking downtown? I have another idea. About what? The fizzle soda. Oh, God, Sean. I imagine that this ends like a Scooby Doo episode where someone's like, and you what? And you would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for all the fizzle soda. Well, like they watch, find watch the guy, it. and he's in a bathtub of fizzle soda. He just keeps pouring more and more in, like it's calamine lotion when you have uh, poison ivy or something. Yeah, I'm I'm imagining that at the like these bank robberies and all this stuff is being coordinated by a single person. I imagine it's the CEO of Fizzle Soda. <laughs> like this goes straight to the top. <laughs> 
fizzles its way to the top. It's not just that a thief has an affinity for the soda. This is, it is the soda conglomerate behind these crimes. So I just, I had to see if fizzle soda was a real thing. And Sean, all I have is there's a soda called Rocket Fizz, but that is it. There's, there's no such thing as – there's a Twitter account for Fizzle Soda, Fizzle Soda 2000, and I wonder if it's a Hardy Boys account. The world it is, never, is it, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> that was very easy. So uh, not only do we have to make the chicken dinner dipping Dots, we also have to be the creators of a Fizzle Soda. I can do that. Such a generic name. I'm surprised there is no Fizzle Soda. I made a can candle the, last night. Can our – well, I want to get back to that. Can our bottles <laughs> customly be made to look like they were glued together? <laughs> yeah. All of, you know how – do you know Maker's Mark Whiskey? No, but that's a good name. Maker's Mark uh, – famously, if you've seen their – if you see a bottle of Maker's Mark, it's the one where the cap has red wax dripping down it. Oh, I like that. After they close their caps, they dip them all in red wax and turn them back. Uh, upright and the wax sort of drips down. It's so, like that's their trademark. You see that's an unopened cool. bottle of Maker's Mark has red wax dripping down it. Yeah. I figure we can do the same thing with our fizzle soda except just drip glue and putty all over <laughs> each bottle. So it's just this absolute <laughs> sticky mess to touch. I want to make the first one too. The very first one we make. Do you remember when we were kids and we would make the glitter paintings? You'd get like a uh, – a cheap plates and you would cover it with glue and then you put glitter on it and sparkles and all this thing and you would make shake these it artworks. Off. Yeah. yeah. I want that to be our very first uh, fizzle soda pop can. And I want you to get sick if you drink from it. You just Obviously, inhale yeah, a bunch of glitter a lot and of glass. Glitter. <laughs> <laughs> just perforate your esophagus. It's going to be bad news. Oh, goodness gracious. Uh. Um, so unless you have anything here, I think we could we could speed through this. No, there's actually a while f- until I have something. Yeah. So they they start looking for fizzle soda uh, vendors in Bayport to see if they can find that uh, the soda is also found in Bayport. And to my surprise, no. I was yeah. expecting because they get to the last shop. At last, they entered a downtown sweet shop, which was a meeting place for many of their friends. And I was expecting them to find fizzle soda here, but instead, they find Tony Preto and Jerry Gilroy, who are sitting. And they start talking about Biff and Chet and how they miss yep. them. Um, the one thing here is, uh, meanwhile, uh, hey, fellas, we'll be, we'll be over in a minute. Meanwhile, uh, Joe asked the soda clerk about Fizzle, but received a negative answer. Only place I've seen it anywhere around these parts is North Pert. I live near there. And then th- the narrator just says, North Port again. <laughs> Exclamation mark. It's its own paragraph. <laughs> oh, my Sean, I thought that was dialogue when I read this the first time. You're no, right. <laughs> it should be dialogue. There's no, point, there's no point in having the boys have any dialogue or internal monologue if the narrator is just as excited for a clue. Northport, Northport again. again. <laughs> that has got to be the fizzle soda. It's got to be Northport's fizzle soda. Yeah, if they had finished putting Brood the back Northport. of the bottle together, it would say available solely in North, <laughs> exclusively available in Northport from that weird postcard shop. Um, oh, that's so funny! Great find. So the boys talk a little bit about you know were were Biff and Chet did they go off missing on their own? Were they kidnapped? Um, there haven't been any more ransom notes. 
Uh, and so they say maybe they went camping and they're, you know, on one of these islands. Uh, and so Tony says, I remember Biff mentioned Hermit Island, the one owned by the queer old recluse who lives on it. And uh, so they decide they're going to go to to this Hermit Island and maybe talk to this old guy to yeah. see if he knows anything, if he's seen the boys or anything like that. And uh, so they, they get in the car. And I did like this part. Joe, all right, good idea. Right. Joe was already on his feet. Come on, let's go. To Frank, he said, the mystery of Mr. French's mix-up last night can wait. And I was relieved that they addressed that because if that was yeah. a was a de- if they're going to focus on this fizzle soda so hard <laughs> and just never look into why Mr. French inexplicably came to their house in the middle of the night and then left in shock and embarrassment when the boys were there, then then we have problems. I think that fizzle soda is also filled. It's like original Coca-Cola where they used real cocaine in it. And I think that's what fizzle soda is to where they're just like when they're dealing with all the glass, there's still the traces. Like there's still traces of cocaine on $20 bills. It's still on that glass. And as they were gluing it together, it like cut into their fingers. So this entire time, they're just high on cocaine. (laughs) And that's why they're just like, fizzle soda, fizzle soda. It's like, calm down, fizzle soda. I got to get more fizzle soda. Just before this, uh, I had taken Luca for a walk in Forest Park. And as we were headed back to the car, we yeah. passed a, uh, a cop car that had a dog. It was like a canine unit. And the windows were down. And they have grates over the windows. But uh, in the back seat, the dog was barking like crazy at us. Um, and my, my dad had met us, and he was walking a bit ahead of us. And the dog was barking at him, and his, my dad had his dog. Yeah. And, but I was just like, hey. I would have expected the police dog to not just be barking a lot, but this dog seemed to be like more poorly behaved than my dog, <laughs> which seems like a, 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 bad, a bad standard sign. for a police dog. <laughs> yeah. But the dog was just barking so bad at Luca and Luca was walking really slowly next to the car. Cause he's a tiny boy. Yeah. And he was startled by the barking that the cop ended up rolling up the window. But I had this thought of like, does Luca have cocaine on him? Yeah, the drug baby. Is this <laughs> is this jacket? Is this hand me down we got from my brother? Yeah. Is this just <laughs> soaked in heroin or something? What is is the dog not wrong, but the dog's been trained to notice Dude, these cocaine trafficking children? You are onto something right there, and you just hit it on the head. Cocaine traffic children. That is genius. If you were a drug dealer... Is that going to be in your Mandalorian rewrite? This will be in my... Yeah, the episode where they're just shipping boxes of babies and their diapers are filled with cocaine because anytime someone sees a crying baby, no one wants to deal with it. They're just like, get get it out of here. Roll up the window. Get the police dog away. It's just a baby. That's a good idea. Not this baby. Yeah, it's a great idea. It's like people swallow like, you know, balloons full of drugs so that they can make it through the border. But what if you forced a baby to swallow a balloon full of drugs? Yeah, exactly. Well, you put it in their baby food. I mean, that's essentially what baby food is anyways. Just the, mushed up. You don't even have to put it in a baggie. You could just put the drugs in the food because they're going to squirt it out, all of it. Nothing's going to get lost in the dejection. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just saw your face. <laughs> Moving <I> just, on? <laughs> no, that's that's one... 
I hate I hate these aside. I hate when we talk about poop. Yeah, I know you do. But I know you do. I think making a T-shirt that said they're gonna squirt out all of it. <laughs> dash David Pitt. <laughs> I think that that's a decent T-shirt to uh, make yeah, available in the I, shop. I think that would be a hot seller. Just in time for Christmas. Ooh, Christmas! Oh yeah, our next episode is our Christmas episode. Well, I guess this is our Christmas. Merry Christmas, Sean. Merry Christmas, David. Yeah, yeah. this is this is gonna be posted on the twenty first. Yeah, and then the next one won't be until after Christmas. Yeah, the twenty eighth. Look at that. So this is a holiday themed Christmas episode. Put in some. Uh, put in some. What's the the instrument that's played for? The bells. The Jing- jingle bells. What's the what do they use though? It's like is it tambourine? Jingle bells. Jingle bell. Are they actually called jingle bells? Yeah. That's not just the song? No, jingle bells are a thing. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, so I guess Batman really does smell. Oh my god. <laughs> You've cracked the case. <laughs> yeah, put in some jingle bells. I'll see what I can do. Yeah, um, you will. So the Tony says, let's take both our boats. We might need them if we find Chet and Biff. Um, so they they drive to the Hardy's boathouse. Um, and to my surprise, the sleuth has not been stolen. No, it it's is there. still there. It's there. For once, the boys were astonished to find the <laughs> boat was still in the boathouse. Someone set up mirrors to where when they went in, the boat looked like it was gone. And then out came like Dave Coulier from Even Stevens. And he's like, cut it out. Just kidding. And he spins the mirrors. And then you see the boat. <laughs> but, That's but it's a good. picture of the boat. And the boat has actually been stolen. And now Dave Coulier is like, oh, my God. It was here when we, you know, showed up. And then the real Dave Coulier is somewhere out on the ocean on the boat. <laughs> so uh, the, the boys get to their boat, and just as they do, they're ready to cast off. Who shows up but old Callie Shaw and Iola Morton? And they walk onto Tony's dock. Oh, are you boys going for a ride? Callie asked. May we come along? Gosh, Callie. Frank said doubtfully. This isn't exactly a pleasure cruise. (laughs) We're bound for Hermit Island to look for Chet and Biff. Oh, then you have to take us, pleaded Iola. After all, Chet's my brother. Her eyes filled with tears. Please, Frank. And then, yeah, Iola's right. So they agree that the (laughs) girls can join them. (laughs) That was... Oh man, there is a reason that you run the accent workshop. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, I went to a guided meditation there. I just closed my eyes and I could <laughs> I could see all of the individuals who, whose voices you were doing. Man, that thank was, you, Sean. Thank you. Was, you just put on an exhibition. That oh, was impressive. Thank you. I mean, we should charge for this stuff. Really, we should. <sighs> this is the class. That's the M Night Twist. We've been doing the class the whole time. And you owe us a hundred dollars. <laughs> I'm going to start sending out some affidavits. So the boat swiftly moves out of the harbor. And this is a detail, Sean, that I loved. I loved, I loved, I loved. Let's hear it. Frank leading the way in the slightly faster sleuth. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. I mean, this was established. Tony. It it, it was, I think, in the last book where they did a straight up race. Yeah. To determine whose was faster. 
Yeah, and then his was faster. Who would have thought the million-dollar boat compared to the boat stolen by Tony Preto from the old hermits was way faster. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. But then we we do get, before long, the shore islands came into sight with their white, drifted sand, Mm. scrubby Mm. vegetation, and huge, barren rocks. I like scrubby vegetation. That is a description I can get behind. Hermit Island, a big craggy pile, loomed out of the water higher than all the others. It was attractive but wild looking. This is Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. This is the island on on which Jurassic Park is built. Yeah, good call. Uh, Too rough on this side to land, Frank called over to the Napoli. Good beach on the lee shore, though, I believe. Follow me. Um, As a boatsman, I have never heard the expression lee shore. I didn't even see that, to be honest. I just skimmed right past it. What is a lee shore? Uh, In seamanship, lee shore, sometimes called leeward, or more commonly leeward or ward shore, is a stretch of shoreline that is to the lee side of the vessel, meaning the wind is blowing towards it. A weather shore has the wind blowing from inland over it out to sea. So you have Lee Shore and Weather Shore? Yes. Weather Shore sounds like an awesome last name. David Weathershore? Yeah. Oh, dude, that's strong. That's good. Yeah, I might change my name to Weather Shore. Maybe even just Weather Shore, not even a first name. Like just, McLovin. Oh, that's good. Or hmm. Weath R. The initial sure. R. Sure. Yeah. And Weather I can tell Shore. everyone I'm related to Howard Shore. Nice. Yeah, but but not the musician. <laughs> Obviously. He's a totally different Howard Shore, but we are related. So the um, – They round uh, the island. They, yeah. they They go ashore. This is a spooky place, commented Iola, looking around her uneasily. It does give one the creeps, Callie agreed. So they start Which, walking uh, around the island. Well, okay, I love this. So she goes, it does give one the creeps. And the boys laugh, and they're just like, <laughs> girls, you know, they're laughing. And if this was a movie, it would be them laughing. And then as the boys turn to face the camera, there'd just be this huge gulp. <laughs> <laughs> like sudden fear strikes into them. Uh, they felt like they should proceed carefully is what it says. So, yeah, they, they walk around. They start searching the uh, jagged cliffs and deep ravines and they see it's thick with pines and coarse grass and at the time joe cupped his hands and shouted halloo <laughs> h-a-l-l-o-o-o <laughs> i didn't know that was halo halo uh, which is a song by machine head or they could just be massive fans of the ubisoft game <laughs> Master Master Chief just shows up. He's like, Rakyon! Master Chet. Master Dude. Nice. Oh, thank you. Oh, I like Master Chet. There was no answer. Looks hopeless, Joe commented. Uh, and then this part, I knew something was going to go wrong before the last paragraph. I knew what 
from the second to last paragraph what the last paragraph would be. Uh, and I'll quickly make through the second to last paragraph. Yeah. At last, the path began to rise steeply. The four boys moved upward much faster than Iola and Callie. Finally, the girls dropped behind. The boys continued on, clamoring and puffing, forgetful of everything but the tough terrain they were fighting. Yeah. Obviously, something's about to happen to the girls that you left behind on a creepy island. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. And so that brings us to the last uh, sentence slash paragraph, which reads, Suddenly, obviously, a sharp scream <laughs> rang out from below, predictably. Callie! cried Frank, whirling. Bum, bum, bum. That's the bum, bum, bum. I was a little upset by this cliffhanger. I'm not going to lie. But... I, I did uh, – yeah, no, I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get into it. I feel like to me the cliffhanger here, like where I was like, <gasps> was when they let the girls come with them. And not that not that girls aren't capable. That's, that's not my yes, point here. But, but, but with the boys, books. yeah, like that's like the wait. You're going to bring – well, you're going to bring Jerry and Tony and Callie and Iola to this creepy old place where you'll probably be kidnapped. Yeah. That that was my. <gasps> so the fact that one of them probably like twisted their ankle or something like that and is fine. This will be resolved in the first paragraph of the next chapter, I assume. But yeah, but we'll find out. Yes, 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 yes. And, and Sean, speaking of the next chapter. Yes, David. I wonder if we're going to find some babies loaded with amphetamines when we mm. get to chapter. 13s. <laughs> I don't know why I put an S on that. I, I could have just said, I wonder if we'll find a baby with amphetamine when we get to chapter 13. Let's, let's go with that. 